Welcome, everyone, to the Grit, Give, Recognize, Implement Time podcast, the path to empowerment and overcoming negativity. I'm your host, Stephen Nathanson, CEO and founder of Strive for More. It's a world-class coaching agency, and I can't wait for what we have in store for you today. So let's go ahead and dig in. Recognize and Implement Time podcast. I am really excited for today's episode because I have a friend of mine coming on board. We're going to talk about mentalities and a lot of mentalities that are really kind of close to our hearts and relate to people who are a little bit maybe introverted or have an introverted side. So I'm very excited to have Sarah Lewis on board with us. And Sarah, if you would be so kind, would you please introduce yourself to our listeners? Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I am Sarah Lewis. I am a natural born introvert and a former personal trainer who is now evolving into a business coach for introverted small business owners. So I help introverted entrepreneurs and small business owners put themselves out there, market successfully, and consistently make more sales. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I think it's a very needed niche as well. And as we've talked about in the past, and actually a great example literally came up last night where, you know, sometimes while I really enjoy talking to people and I think that I have definitely an extrovert side, that introvert works out, or excuse me, wins over and he's like, ah, you know, I'm just kind of tapped out and I don't necessarily want to deal with anyone right now. And I'm curious to see, <laughs> right, if you find that maybe as a common trend amongst the people you work with and what helps to, to maybe overcome that mentality for folks. Yeah, so I think I think the first thing is understanding the difference between shyness and introversion. They're actually two separate things. So I learned this in the book Quiet by Susan Cain. So if, you, if you're an introvert and you've never read that book, um, I highly recommend it. Um, but she says in that book that they're actually two separate things. So introverts who are not shy can go out, have conversations, like totally seem like extroverts, but still need to protect their energy. So after they do all that, after they've been on stage, quote unquote, then they do need to have non-people time, like alone yeah. time and downtime to build their energy reserves back up. So yeah, I think, I think a lot of people assume that introverts don't want to talk or don't even want to be out. But I know plenty of introverts who are super social, but then like, yeah, again, just need like, okay, <laughs> I'm done peopling for the next 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I love, I love that term peopling. Um, that's a, it's a really good term. It's a really great distinction. What, what else I'm curious helps maybe understand that distinction between shyness and I think just one of the key definitions of being an introvert is where you get your energy from. And, and if you, if you try to assume anything else about an introvert, you're probably going to be wrong. <laughs> so introverts get their energy by being alone and they build their social battery back up by being alone. Extroverts build their energy by being with people. And I think that's really like, we have to like take all these societal definitions for introverts and extroverts and our expectations of them. Like we have to really strip that down and just be like, okay, the introvert is is done for the day. No more peopling. The extrovert is still going to go out because they still want that energy build. So I think, yeah, we just, we have too many assumptions and expectations and 
definitions that we're trying to fit into a box when it, yeah. it's just much more simple than that. Yeah, no, and it's, it's a great point, right? The, the way that we energize as human beings, I think is hugely important because one of the things I'll share that I see commonly across the board with the people that I work with right now is a lot of energy is being drained, regardless if you're an introvert or if you're an extrovert, because there is so much work still to be done. And universally, if I'm still employed right now during this pandemic, people tend to be overworked and that energy tends to be drained more quickly. And I can see you nodding your head. So I'm, I'm sure you kind of seeing the exact same thing. And I'm curious, what do you find maybe specific to kind of the introvert population that rings true in that arena and what really maybe helps them re-energize? Yeah. So right now during the pandemic, it is kind of tough. And, I, and I'll just use the example of you and I, um, you don't have kids. So you're, I feel like you're probably thriving right now because you're getting a lot of quiet time or a lot more than normal. And so you are thriving. However, I have a daughter <laughs> and she's home all the time yeah. and I don't get any alone time. So I, I wouldn't say that I'm thriving. I'm surviving right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the big difference is, um, yeah, like so some introverts right now can are, are thriving and some are like, oh, gosh, like I, I'm not getting any alone time. So I'm struggling. It's, you know, and it's a very fair point. And I think it's also something that may resonate with a lot of folks who are listening in that maybe don't have kids, but have coworkers or direct reports that do have kids and helping bridging that understanding of right now, if your child, say, is not going to school uh, physically. I mean, and maybe they're right. online or maybe they're of the age where they're, they're not in school. Anyways, that is a constant thing that for someone who maybe needs that time to be alone, to recharge, can be draining that does impact maybe work performance or just the way that they handle everything that's being put on their plate and the overload that, that exists. And I think that's a great point that you bring out. And, and you're right, I, I don't have children. I do have two wonderful dogs that I absolutely love. And there are distinct differences right between fur babies and, and real human babies and children. And what's interesting, because I was thinking about this as we're talking, I actually get, I think, recharged and energized when maybe I step away from the day or during the day and spend time with my, my dogs because there is just the affection there, the love, and I just enjoy watching them have a, a great, wonderful time. But it also, yeah, with some responsibilities can be draining if I've got to get them out and I only have like 15 minutes between a jam-packed day. Right, there's, it's a, yeah, it's a very interesting question, complexities, and maybe brings up a good question on mindset. How we approach it, and there's one that the dog's <laughs> agreeing right now. Um, if I'm maybe already in the mindset where I'm jam-packed and I am, perhaps one from the day, now I've got to deal with a child or a pet or an animal. It can add to that frustration. It can add to keeping us down in this maybe non-serving mindset and add to what de-energizes us versus perhaps energize us. I don't know. I'm curious. Do you, do you find maybe the same is true or do you find the opposite? What do you, what do you think? And absolutely like work and just the day-to-day -day responsibilities can, can be draining as well. Yeah. And I like to refer to 
like when we when uh, when us introverts get too much of that like i call it the introvert hangover where you just like you you're maxed out like you haven't gotten enough alone time it doesn't matter how much sleep you've gotten you're still tired uh, like and you just feel like hungover because you can't focus you have like that brain fog and you're tired and you haven't drank anything but <laughs> you still right. feel like you got hit yeah. by a truck <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that's when you know like I really need to like really step away from everything not just have quiet time like quiet working time but literally like like complete downtime so actually a great question is what do you think helps people really have that true downtime that they do need well for introverts I think it's being out in nature like just going for a walk or a run um being with pets absolutely um because there's the unconditional love there and there's not so much chatter like a, having a toddler around yep it's true <laughs> <laughs> um, other quiet activities maybe like um painting or coloring I've gotten into coloring a lot more lately um but yeah it's just those things that you reading it's, it's those quiet activities that you know that it will just take you away from the day-to-day -day normal and, and help quiet your mind you know what's interesting i i find i i do a lot of that where especially right now i'll admit i watch a lot of disney plus and i have throughout this entire pandemic because i need i need that happy that joy back in my life and to decompress and have maybe stark contrast from the day and then everything else that's going on in, in our world right now so yeah. i'm really resonating with what you're talking about. And I find maybe some of my true downtime is watching The Rocketeer like I did recently. That's a great, great movie from, you know, when I was a younger kid. And I I think there's a lot of truth in finding solace that having some of that time to recharge and really doing something that you actually truly enjoy, that makes you happy and interjects more of that inherently into the day than maybe being in a situation which isn't conducive yeah for sure yeah like i usually go out around like three o'clock ish for a walk because i'm just like I, that's it like <laughs> I, <laughs> i've talked to many too many people i've sent too many emails i've done too many things today so yeah it's like now i just go and and it's amazing because it helps you like process things and it kind of like okay like now i've i've I've, I've processed what happened today and i can kind of move forward and it seems like walking would be an ener energy drain, but it actually isn't. It, like, I feel it's really good for brain health. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and actually, I, I'm curious, do you find that it's maybe hard sometimes for introverts to give themselves the permission to do that, to step away, maybe feel like they're obligated, they have to continue down to that versus doing what's going to recharge? Okay. Yeah. So you know yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. there's... Um, I don't personally struggle with that because that's not one of my personality traits, but I, I know a lot of the people who are the people pleasers and they say yes to everything and they're worried about letting someone down or, or they work themselves to the point of burnout. All those things are, are yeah, very prominent among introverts. Um, I see it. It's just not something I personally deal with. Yeah. So when you do see that in other and the introverts that you work with, what do you find maybe helps them say, you know what, it's okay to step away and take that walk? What, what, do, you, what do you find helps? Helping them d define boundaries. 
like, okay, like you, you probably feel that you need this downtime. Um, so how can we figure out that you can actually get it? Like, yeah. And it takes courage to say no to people. Just, so there's, there's a lot of mindset training that goes into that as well. Um, like putting yourself first is, is hard. And I think it's a journey that you have to go on, but necessary for growth. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. And, and you're highlighting one of the things that I also find, I think, very true with the people that I work with even if they're not introverted and they're extroverted is this giving ourselves permission to be human. The very first step in, in this process of grit, right? This podcast is it's okay. It's okay to be human. It's okay to want some alone time. It's okay to also feel like maybe I'm obligated to not have that. And we're truly not alone in that, right? We're having this conversation as two introverted people talking about other introverts and finding that there is that commonality there and it's okay because there's a way forward. There's a, it's possible yep. to say, you know what, it's okay to take that break. And I am capable of taking that break and then making that choice to actively do it, right? And then building, like you said, that process, those habits in that then feed me that downtime that I need to be my best self throughout the day. Yeah. And I find that fundamental very first step is one of the things that we struggle with the most because we're actually very action focused today, right? What do I do? Can I do this? Can I do that? How do I make this happen? Versus maybe addressing the underlying mentalities that dictate if that's a successful action or not for us. Yeah, and I think if like like you were saying, like making things happen, like if if productivity is something that you're struggling with, then it's time to take a look at how much am I doing doing for myself? How much of my daily time is given to my agenda versus how much is given to other people's agenda? And we all, I mean, parents, spouses whatever pet caretakers that i mean you do have to share some of your own time of course <laughs> right but remembering yourself and all that what else actually since we're kind of on that topic right of downtime being true to ourselves also sharing part of ourselves with the significant relationships we have in our lives what else do you find right now is maybe a kind of a top need or struggle that introverts are going through. I, I do think it's set, setting boundaries and asking for what we need right now. Um, yeah, like, I hate to stereotype this way, but like the women I, I still feel are like the primary caregivers in most households. So I even had to have a conversation with my husband, like, I, I can't do all this. I'm, I own my own business. I work from home, the child is home, I need to get my own things done just as much as you need to get your things done. So it was helping him realize like, hey, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't do this alone. Like I need, I need help. So, and, and, and that was hard for me, like, cause it, it, you don't want it to turn into a fight, right? But the conversation still needs to be had. Um, so yeah, like right now specifically, it's making sure that you have boundaries set to take care of yourself. Yeah, and I think you highlighted one of the keys that I find to ring true in any situation where you wanna talk about boundaries is being able to have that conversation because without those conversations, we can't actually successfully set those boundaries with folks. And yeah. what's interesting on that conversation too is I feel as you have those conversations and you talk about the boundaries on what you really truly need as an individual, 
you will really naturally gauge where that other person lies, right? And if there's someone who truly is in this kind of this equal relationship or equal friendship or cares about us, they're definitely going to want to help us, right? And be involved in setting those boundaries, getting us what we need, um, having that, that, that give and take or that compromise, depending on the kind of relationship. But if they don't, that's also maybe a good indicator too is what does this relationship with this person really need to look like for me to get what I need? And does it need to be adjusted, tailored back? And, and maybe even in some cases, is this a relationship, friendship, acquaintance, significant other? Does it need to be in my life? Is it serving me right. in my life? Yeah. Yep, and well, marriage is constant right. work, as they say. Right. <laughs> yeah, so it's not one of those relationships you can like just ignore or easily leave. Right. Um, yeah, so constant effort. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and I love the fact that we were talking about it because I think it does take an absolute amount of courage to have conversations with with people and to be able to kind of vulnerably share that part with us of, you know, I may need some help or I can't do it all. That's actually a hard thing I think for a lot of people to admit is I can't do everything. I need to take a step back and maybe do one thing at a time versus trying to get all of these 50 different things done, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. And, and now you're hitting on what, what my struggle is. I'm not a yes person like to other people, but I'm like, I can, I have the ability to do everything and I can, I can handle a ton of work. Like I really, truly can. I'm very capable, um, but it, it verges on like control freak. <laughs> and then it's like, well, I'm trying to control you and I'm trying to control you. And, and so that's, I think one of been, that's been one of my biggest lessons during this pandemic is, I mean, I kind of always knew like I, I, you can't control other people, but it really came to the forefront when I was like, like really trying to control every little thing that my daughter did and, like it, we, we struggled and I, and I had to work through that and I'm like, okay, let it, let it go. Like, let the reins go a little bit more. Like she can have a snack at two 30 instead of three. Like <laughs> that's been my big lesson. I think as, as far as how to handle myself during these hard times. Yeah. But it's, and it's, it's a brilliant point because you're absolutely right. Like we, we can control ourselves. Right? We are in our control. We can't control somebody else. They are their own distinct human being. Yeah. But we can control how they influence us and then vice versa, how we influence them or best set ourselves up to, to influence whether, say, she chooses to have a snack at 3 or, or 2.30 or she's legitimately really hungry at 2.30 then, right? It'd be, maybe that's what's best. And accepting that through, right, and understanding where maybe that boundary and how to best integrate with that, that person and communicate with that person mm -hmm. to alleviate maybe the stress and tension that that relationship could create if I am, like you said, trying to control it. Yeah. Yeah. And communicating with, she's six, but uh, yeah, with someone who doesn't have all that right. mental development is, is tough. <laughs> it's That's tough. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, just as a, as a quick aside, I'll say, like, I probably find myself having the exact same conversation with my dogs all the time, right? Because <laughs> their mentality is like capped at what a two-year-old, or, or let's say, I think is, is about the, the estimate. And yeah. I, have to, I have to remind myself all the time, and actually this is a great trick, I think, for, for folks out there is 
I have to remind myself that they don't necessarily understand that dogs don't beat cars. And there's a reason why they're on a harness and I have a leash. They, they don't necessarily know the dangers of our world. And when they're maybe starting to drift, say, off the sidewalk into the street when we're walking, I have to have that conversation with myself. like, And I have to have that conversation with them, too. And I have to say, because it's, well, I guess I'll say my, initial, my first initial reaction is like, hey, look, no, no street, right? You got to get out of the street. You got to come on the sidewalk. You know, come on, come, come to the left. And then I've got to say to myself, well, look, they don't understand because it helps me control what could be rising frustration of, again, she's pulling into the street. Why do we have to have this conversation over and over again? <laughs> They don't, they don't understand, right? And that's okay. That's, that's who they are. And it helps me actually in that moment alleviate stress and tension and frustration that can happen in controlling myself and recognizing that you know, my dogs do influence me in certain ways. And I know if I get frustrated, my nose is going to get all bent out of sorts and that's not going to help me later in the day should I have to talk to somebody. So controlling their influence. Yeah. So, sorry about that little that little tangent, but um, you know, you sparked something I think very real. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean we all have triggers, and yeah. you know, like if this person or this whoever does this, like it's maybe going to go south. So let's see how we can <laughs> right. keep it going east west. <laughs> right. And it's because we we do we always have that that choice in there of I can let and and I like to coin things instead of positive or negative or as you just called like maybe you know south let's keep it going east west i like to use the term serving and non-serving and i know we can easily let that non-serving just consume us that yeah. anger that frustration that draining energy and we always do have that choice and that's the beauty of being a human being is when i recognize maybe some of that south is bubbling up i have that choice to acknowledge, hey, you know what, it is coming up, but that's okay because I can actively choose what is going to help serve me, keep me going east-west, right? Keep me flat, even keel level. And I, and that choice is always up to me. It's yeah. hard to see sometimes, but it is. It's always there for us to, to make that choice. Yeah, yeah, and I mean we're all going to have our reactions to things, but it's 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 finding like, okay, I've had my reaction. Now, how am I going to adjust or pivot or? reframe this situation because a lot of times it's a reaction a negative reaction to someone else and we're like yeah. like for me I'm like I should be able to control that so that I don't have to feel this way when <laughs> when really it's like but I can't control that yeah. so yeah so but I can control me so now I have to yeah work on the reframe it's like okay you're allowed to have your reaction everybody has a reaction but now for it to serve you how can you reframe it yeah, and that's a great point. So what, what do you find, maybe if you're willing to share about, about you or the people that you work with, what do you think really helps create that reframe for people? Uh, having a coach. That's <laughs> a fair point. <laughs> I think everybody should have a coach. I mean, um, like when I was having these issues with my, my daughter, I, I did reach out to a parenting specialist who like gave me a lot of tips and you know, it was like all these back and forth emails. And then finally her last one was like, I mean, she didn't say this, but it was somehow stated like, this is you, not her. <laughs> you need to work on this. Oh yeah. You're probably right. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, 
but yeah, like, I think we get so like bogged down by our thoughts and overthinking is a big trait, you know, for introverts that having conversations with other people, like third parties, a coach is a great example, but really anyone, like maybe a grandparent or friend, whoever, um, can help us maybe see, see the other side of the story. Yeah. And, and I, it's a wonderful point because there's a couple of things I think in there that universally are true when we're forced to talk something out or even write it down, you're actually processing so much information, right? That's up here in our brains and we're forcing clarity to come from it because we're not expressing all that data or that information that's maybe up here in our brains. When we speak, we've got, we've had to go through that process to literally filter it out, to make sense of it, to combine it, to make it clear, to bring those realizations, right? To have those conversations with folks, which is why they're so helpful, regardless of whom you're having them with. But I will say that I do find, I think, whatever person you choose to have that conversation with, I think one big factor that really does help is if they're a unbiased party, meaning that really like a coach, their only agenda in this conversation really is, is helping you. And that very well could be, right, a grandparent. It could be a coach. It could be some someone else. And it's a distinct shift, I think, between kind of being sympathetic or compassionate to the situation you're going through and really focusing on helping you answer those questions, see those other perspectives, create that clarity, right, and essentially maybe get out of those that tunnel vision so that we can say, oh, yeah, you know, maybe there's something I'm doing that's kind of influencing this and coming across in a way that I don't want to convey a habit that maybe my daughter's picking up or, or my dogs are picking up. Uh, it's a very interesting process, I think, to go through, but a very distinct shift of when we do find someone to talk this out with, what is their focus? Really being sympathetic or truly helping us unbiasedly understand the answers we're seeking. Yeah. It, yeah. And that's an important point is that you're, you're talking to the right friend if you go the friend route, because there's a lot of friends that'll just help you feed that negative thought and yeah. be on your side. Like, right. They have the good intentions. Um, like I support you. You're right all the time. Yep. But yeah. Yeah. Some of those can yeah feed the negativity. You know, and it's interesting and I, and I forget which comedian this was, but I think she, um, she made a joke about the exact same thing that you just brought out where I think the debate was whether or not she was going out or not, or she was engaging in certain activity. And she went through like different friends of, oh yeah, this person is the most conservative. They definitely said no. Then I went to this person who's kind of in the middle and I said, well, maybe. And then I went to this other friend of like, oh yeah, go for it. And then I just kind of right took off. I went through that progression to find the answer that I wanted to hear. I think was kind of really the, the punchline of, her, of the joke and the progression she went through. But it's a beautiful point you just highlighted is we may inherently choose who to speak with because maybe subconsciously we're not quite ready to, to hear an answer or to vet something out versus really kind of seeking that answer. And when we do make that decision, maybe to speak to somebody that could be a good thought to have is what's prompting me maybe to choose this individual to speak with. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a good pause before you actually pick up the phone or send the email or text or whatever it is. Yeah, definitely yeah. agree with that. Mm. 
So what else? Maybe shifting gears just just kind of quickly again. What what else do you find right now specific? I think to to introverts that is a uh, maybe a, a kind of top struggle that you find not necessarily just in these times, but as a whole that we can we can speak to and, and help folks with. Um, so in referencing to a, another book I read recently, I think it was just released this year, actually, it's called Personality Isn't Permanent okay. by Benjamin Hardy. Have you heard of it? I have not. Okay. Um, I, I think it just came out in 2020. Um, okay. I read it. And what I loved about it is that he says that you, that you have the ability to change. Mm. And I think those of us who really identify as introverts are like, I'm an introvert, so I don't do X, Y, Z. I don't appear on video. I don't speak on stages. I, you know, so we think introvert equals something, right? right? Um, and what he pointed out in the book is that like the Myers-Briggs personality test, which most people are familiar with, is actually not grounded in science. It's mm. not a, it wasn't a scientifically researched way to identify personality and he's a psychologist i believe um so that was like oh plus that's over 100 years old now <laughs> um so it's kind of like oh well yeah like like if we've had traumatic events in our life like we can reframe those kind of like we talked about if we are an introvert or an extrovert but we don't necessarily like some things about our personality like we can change that and there's skills that we can develop so that we can improve. Mm, so you don't yeah. have to like become an extrovert, like, right. Like introvert is a, is a real thing. Um, but for me, like my Myers-Briggs, because of course I took it, um, is ISTJ. <laughs> and one of those, a few of the things are like that I'm robotic and non-emotional and can't be vulnerable. And I, don't like all those things about myself. Mm. So I, or don't want those to define me. So I um, actively work on not being those things, right? So even though that's maybe my bias, that I can develop skills, like I'm actively seeking to speak on stages, podcasts being one of them and, and mm. literal stages. Um, so I'm developing skills that, that and being able to talk to my sensitive child, right? Like, so yeah, I can change. I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago in, but I'm still an introvert, right? It's, but that book was like, kind of like a game changer for me this year. It was like, mm, yeah, yeah, like we do have the ability to change regardless of how someone else again has like defined us and how we're trying to fit into this particular box or maybe how we're using our own personality to justify our limitations. Yeah. And I love where this conversation is going because it's a very interesting point because there's often polar opposite opinions on this. People don't change or people are capable of change. And the answer, honestly, can be can be both. And it depends on maybe what is it that we want for ourselves? Do we want to make that change? Because change, it takes time. Literally, the last piece of, of, of grit is it's, it's time because we don't change instantaneously as human beings. We're not on demand. We're not Amazon one or two day delivery, right? <laughs> it, it doesn't happen overnight because maybe let's say for 30 years, we've been doing something a very specific way that really does wire our brains and create this neural pathway that says, okay, if I'm going to do this, like drive a car, here's how I'm going to do it. That's firmly implanted. 
maybe I want to change that, or maybe I want to change uh, my comfort level with speaking on stage. Maybe every time before I go on stage, I feel this discomfort and it leads me maybe to, to not doing it. It kind of wins out, right? There's that neural pathway built into our brains there. If we want to change that, we do have to create this new one, understand what does that now actually look like to actually get over that hurdle to speak on stage and start building those confidence, creating those steps that we now build in a new neural pathway in our brains that creates confidence, allows us to speak on stage and engage in that more while lessening the old one that essentially kept us back from doing it for that to eventually flip-flop. And it just takes time for us to do that. So absolutely 100% agree, we very much are capable of change should we decide that we want to do that, right? And we want to engage in that path to do it, recognizing it does take some time to do that, which is hard, I think, for a lot of people, right? To give ourselves the time it takes to change. Absolutely. I mean, we want instant gratification, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, and it's, it's a constant practice, like that you do need to, or want to evolve into something and you're, what you were saying made me think of Robin Sharma's quote, Mm. the more you run towards your fears, the smaller they become. Mm. And I kind, that's kind of one of my, like, yeah, one of those quotes that stay at the top of my mind, because it wants, it needs to be like a, a guiding light for me. Like, yeah, just, just run towards your fears. They're going to get smaller. It's so true. Yeah. Facing the things that maybe give us trepidation or fear, I think is also maybe to one of our early points, something that does take courage for people to do. And it's okay that it takes a little bit of time for us maybe to work up that courage to do it and to really take that first step. And, and actually, maybe I'll, I'll see your quote and, and give you another one. One that I personally love as well by Dr. Uh, King is you don't have to see the Hulk staircase, just take the first step. And, yes. I, and I apologize if I'm maybe misquoting that a, a, um, slightly, but it gets to that point, right, is I may not have to see the entire path. And if I just take that first step to your point of maybe running towards my fears, it's going to get a lot easier to really confront them as I move forward. I'm familiar with that quote as well. And okay. I love that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so to that point, actually, if you were to maybe give some tidbits to our listeners on what can I do to maybe start running towards my fears, what would you say to them? Yeah, I would first say, okay, let's figure out like why this is producing fear or anxiety okay. and I would say 99% of the time, like we are uh, catastrophizing these things. Mm. Um, and so we have to as pause and ask ourselves, is this really true? Like, say like you want to do like Facebook live and you're like having massive anxiety about it. And then because you hate the sound of your voice or because you're afraid people are, you know, the trolls are going to come out and force and be like, your hair looks awful or <laughs> right. whatever right. it may be. So it's like, wait, pause. Is that really true? No, no. Your friends are going to show up. They're going to watch. They're going to be like, hey, Steve. (laughs) Um, So I think that's the first thing is pausing and asking if it's really true. Because, yeah, the catastrophe that we can build up in our brains is just just runs rampant. Um, So, again, that being mindful and pausing is the first step. And then consistently doing it. Because I, I know a lot of introverts will build up the courage to do it once. They'll be like, oh, 
well, I did a Facebook live yesterday and I need all of today off, right? That's the introvert hangover. There. Yeah. <laughs> but then because it's, it was so draining, they'll wait like six months to do it again, but you haven't had enough time to evolve, right? It's like, okay, well, you know, you survived. So let's do it again next week or two weeks from now. So it, it has to be more consistent than these huge breaks in between because uh, otherwise it's just, it's not enough practice and consistency to, to truly overcome those fears and anxiety. Yeah. And those are some great, very well-practiced points. You're starting to really hint at some cognitive behavioral coaching there too. And what are these beliefs and how do I challenge them? It's, and I, and I bring that out because it's a very universal truth of that is a very, very good way of helping us understand the fears that we're interjecting, the all or nothing thinking, the uh, negativity or the non-serving thoughts that tend to seep in because we maybe assume the worst, right? It's, it's a really good, solid way of, of doing exactly what you just said. And then to that latter point of the practice piece, really building those small steps one step at a time creates confidence builds momentum but it's important to keep that going as you said is one small step at a time one foot in front of the other in a good kind of continual pace and maybe i did it once this week so maybe i could do it once again next week or twice or then twice that third week or three times that third week keeping that momentum going really creates that foundation builds those neural pathways and then leads us to where we want to go and makes it a lot easier later in life to then say, yeah, I got this Facebook live, no problem. Or even if those thoughts come in again of, oh, the trolls are going to come out and, you know, uh, rate me poorly because of this, it's a lot easier to overcome that once we've really solidly built in those practices already. Yes. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, you had the nail on the head with that. Like, yeah, because eventually something probably will happen. But if you've done the work beforehand, then it's like, whatever, just like brush your shoulders off. Like you can move past it fairly easily. Yeah. That actually happened to me. Like um, about a year ago, I got my first troll comment on Instagram. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, whatever. <laughs> it didn't phase me. Um, and, you know, there's also that school of thought that like, well, if you've said something that really moves someone to troll you, then that's a good thing. Like you've, mm. you've uh, yeah. not been polarizing, but like you've stood your ground or you've, you've stated your beliefs, um, which is a good thing. Like you, yeah. I, I had a tendency to be like very vanilla early on because I didn't want to offend anyone. Um, I wanted, you know, everyone to agree with me because, you know, like, well, I need likes on my posts, you know? So I've had to move past that and be like, no, no, let me speak what's, what's true to me. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, that's a phenomenal thing maybe to really end on, honestly, is speaking our truth is a very important thing, I think, in, in life. And there's definitive ways to do that, which really will resonate with people, the right language, the right choices, things that truly do come authentically from, from our hearts will, will resonate with people. And there is a right way, I think, to do that. There's also a way, like you said, that can really polarize things and maybe come off not the way that we intend. So there really is a great way of speaking our truth in a way that's going to really resonate with people versus speaking our truth gears at 
polarizing and, and dividing people, I think is a great distinction, but it's a very true thing that can really help us spread our message, create those boundaries and those conversations we want with, with our others. And really even for ourselves, our self-talk that we're starting to talk about right now of, is this really true that the trolls are going to raid my Instagram feed when I want to do a post or a Facebook yeah. live? Yeah. It's a wonderful point, actually. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for bringing that out. Yeah. So if we were to maybe leave everyone with a couple key things from today, what do you think people should really walk away with from our conversation today? I think it's that you have the ability to change if you want to, if there's aspects that you don't, that you're like, oh, I'm just like that way, or that's just how I am. If you're saying that and to justify things that you don't necessarily like, know that you can develop skills and rewire your mindset um, to change that. And you used like the term wiring a lot during this conversation, which yeah, I'm like totally dorking out on like neuroscience books now. (laughs) but it's so cool like it's so cool like brain science um but yeah as coaches I guess that's what we nerd out on (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so you have the ability to change if you want um that introverts need downtime and that's the the only definition of an introvert um those are the two things that are standing out to me yeah and I think they're very very powerful points that we have that ability to change and we are capable of making that happen. And it's okay to be us. It's okay to be introverted. It's okay to be extroverted because there is a way to really be the best us and to help us get the support we need from the people around us and really maximize our environments to to make that happen, especially during these challenging times that we're going through right now in the pandemic. Yep, for sure. Love it. And I really appreciate you coming on. And I want to make sure that people can also reach out to you and find you as well. So would you kindly share how people can can do that for you? Yes. My website is introvertsemerge.com. And that's basically my handle for all my social media channels. So Facebook and Instagram are both at introvertsemerge. Um, I have a YouTube channel, which the, I don't know, that has a very super long URL, but I'm, I'm out there in, okay. in the social world. And I have, you know, if you go to my website, again, introvertsemerge.com, there's ways that you can sign up for my email, email list, all there. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing that. Um, I hope you guys all caught that, the contact information. If you have trouble getting a hold of Sarah, please let me know. We can make sure that we we get you her contact information in addition to that. So thank you, thank you, thank you truly for being here. And until the next time, everyone, be the movement in your life. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe to it. If you would like to also learn more about grit, give, recognize, implement time, my company, Strive for More, or myself, Stephen Nathanson, please email me at steve at striveformore.com. And that's strive, F-O-R, more.com. You can also follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or you could visit our website at www.striveformore.com. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, be the movement in your life.